Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 69. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight with, by the enchanting presence of Thomas Smiley, and we're here to talk about Legacy. Don't, I, I don't ever want to play against Enchantress ever again. I got dumpstered so hard on camera that I was thinking about quitting Magic forever. Yeah, did that one put you in solitary confinement or what? Oh, it did. That was So, I when we'll talk about my tournament a little bit later. But one, I'm really dumb. Two, I played against Enchantress twice in the tournament. <laughs> that's acting for you, bro. So, so that that stuff happens. Uh, man, yeah, I was not I was not ready for that, and um, and everybody got to see it. It was wonderful. So, did you have fun? Did you see people there or what? Yeah, I did. It was a little different because you weren't there. And uh, a few of my other friends who usually go play at those tournaments ended up not showing up. Steve Hartford was was there dressed as Fat Thor. Nice. And I didn't I didn't recognize that it was him until he came up and introduced himself to me. It was uh, he he was that dressed up. It was awesome. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yep. Yeah, I always feel like I made... it, it can't be as much fun when I'm not there because, like, that, that's probably, like, straight out of the DSM for narcissistic personality disorder or something. But I'm always like, oh, man, I feel bad for those guys. Like, that you're not there. there. Yeah. I, that's that's what it was. And also, you weren't <laughs> there to, like, talk me out of playing Burn. So, yeah. I just, I still have not had time to unpack. And instead of Death and Taxes, because I knew everybody was going to make fun of me if I brought Death and Taxes again. Because I was too lazy to build something else. <laughs> I I grabbed Burn because I thought that it was going to be okay for what I was going to play against. And uh, I never could have predicted that I would have played against Enchantress twice. But I did. Well, it was pretty cool that at least I got to see one of your feature matches, which was commentated by the amazing Zach Turgeon. And honestly, this whole event was really well commentated, but... I think Zach especially did a uh, great job on this one, and he did so well, we decided to have him on tonight. Hello, hello. How's everyone doing tonight? What I'm doing great, but what do you call the effect where, like, a really pretty person surrounds themselves with less than pretty friends? Uh, I don't know, but that de- I know where you're going with this. It's I'm like... go- so I'm saying, Zach... Zach <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> seemed like the A plus on the hitting everything on the head commentator. Uh, I don't need to finish my thought. Everybody, everybody understands where it's I'm like. It's that. like ugly duckling syndrome or something like that, right? Some it's like, or maybe the opposite of that. I I know what you're talking about. But any anyway, I'm, yeah. I'm <laughs> Pat Pat loaned me some cards, so thank you, Pat. He Jerry, lo- he loaned you cards Jerry for burn. <laughs> Yeah, because, okay. Did you not have $20? So I, I, went, I went there. <laughs> no, the, they were sold out. Gaming Etc. was sold out of some of the sideboard cards I needed. And I didn't I didn't plan for that. So I, I was looking through Pat's trade binder in the beginning of the tournament because I didn't want to spend $100 on ensnaring bridges because I already own four. I just didn't bring them. You should have asked. I had mine with me. I, I should have. But instead, instead, I got a Red Elemental Blast and a Blood Moon. <laughs> so my deck was not optimal. I kind of phoned it in, and uh, I deserve what happened to me. But you've been really on a on a tear with this like non-blue. Like I feel like the last four maybe leaving the legacies, you played non-blue decks. You played Death and Taxes. You played Burn. You played Eldrazi. You played Sneak and Show. Yeah, so th- I guess three out of the last four. I honestly, I, I'm I'm past my peak. I'm washed. <laughs> I'm washed up. No, it's not true, I, bro. The best results you've had this year have been with with fair blue decks, like blue white Delver and shit. You're just, oh, I know. You're but just picking I, bad decks. I I am picking bad decks, but I like I I used to play Magic as a release, right? Like I'd have fun. I'd be thinking about it in the background, and I'd feel like I'm I'm sort of like I used to feel like I was really dialed in, and now even though I'm talking about it every week. I don't have a ton of time to play, and a lot of the time when I'm thinking about magic, I'm thinking about doing other stuff now. It's weird, and I want to get back to where I was really enjoying playing, but I just have so much stuff going on that I don't know when that's going to happen. Yeah, so, I, people grow up. 
Simple as that. Yeah, and I'm I'm almost for. Wait, fuck. <laughs> I'm I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting older, and uh, and I I just I need more time. So but anyway, so Tom, maybe as a like a Patreon tiered like a a gift for the Patreons, you can redub your your feature match from the LAL stream and just tell the listeners what's going on in your head while Caleb combos off and you sit there for ten minutes. Okay, so one. <laughs> The reason why I sat there the whole time was I thought we were the backup match because we were sitting in the right-hand seat, okay? So I'm sitting there going like, all right, I like, I know I'm going to lose, but this guy's having so much fun casting all of his enchantments. Maybe we can end up getting on camera. So I just sat there locked under uh, solitary confinement and, um, and uh, ley line of uh, sanctity. So uh, another thing that I was thinking about was like, Maybe I can kill myself in my end step. I needed one more instant spell. So I could uh, tr- quad beta signed bolt myself and then do something with fire blasts. So I was contemplating whether or not I was just going to kill myself on his end step. And then he got so low in his deck. I was like, listen, if Emrakul is literally the last card, then I win this game. But it, um, it didn't happen. I don't oh. think he was playing Emrakul, was he? It wasn't in his deck. He was running Living Wish. Really? No, uh, he didn't cast Living Wish, and he hard cast it in that game. Okay. He didn't Eldrami's Eldrami's call. He he actually drew the Emrakul. He may have brought right? it in. Yeah. Yeah, I believe he did. Cool. So that was that was my that was my thought. Oh, process. he probably brought it in because his way of winning in that deck that didn't involve the Living Wish was Rest in Peace and um, the Helm. And both those cards are just bad against you, so he probably just decided to cut four cards to make room for one. Makes a lot well, of sense. Well, he, he definitely had Rest in Peace in his deck still because he ended up drawing, like, 12 cards one turn and discarded it and stuff. Yeah, he probably he just had it as enchantment more. with no text. Yep. Uh, but anyway, that was that was not the most enjoyable match I've ever played. But I deserve it. Um, Bryant, Bryant was there, and I didn't dress up as him, but I had a tie on, so there, there were some people who thought that I did. And uh, he looked at me when I was sitting there, and he goes, "Tom, well, you foundly found a deck that suits your skill level." And oh, I was like, "Oh my god, savage, savage!" And then he said he was kidding, but I know he wasn't. But he, I deserved it. He, he, he was right. <laughs> That's pretty good. I. Yeah. Okay. So this is this is probably the best thing that happened. I was playing against Enchantress for the first time in round in round three, I think it was, and my opponent was a super nice guy, and he goes like, "Listen, I saw you shuffling earlier, and you were shuffling a burn deck, and I thought there's no way that this guy is playing burn." So he mulliganed a hand that was great against burn, and then I cast a Goblin Guide on turn one, and he's like, "What is going on right now?" So. Sweet. See, you, you juked him. He thought that you were like had standards, and then yes, it turns out I had absolutely no standards. Exactly, absolutely none. Yep, got him with the so, old one too. So yeah, I'm, I'm really sad just hearing you guys talk about this that I missed this tournament. Like I really look forward to these things, and uh, I had a good time at the wedding. It was a costume party, actually. The well, it wasn't technically a costume party, but the dress code was bohemian smart casual. Which do you what, guys have any idea what that, that means? No. Zach, I feel like Zach, see, Zach is a polymath, man. Zach knows a lot about a lot of different shit. Aren't wrong, and I could probably piece it together, but I don't know for sure. So when I Google it... it, Does it mean, like, corduroys and polo shirts? When I Google it, I get pictures of, like, Lenny Kravitz. There's, like, a lot of scarves and hats. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I would have guessed. And, like, those, like, suit vests... And, like, uh, pants that are rolled up to, like, your mid-calf. I would have guessed a lot of paisley. Yeah, you can't wear, um, it's like a lot of muted colors, like, uh, whites and tans and and grays. And, uh, so it was, it was pretty insane, man. Like, some of the, some of the costumes people went as. I just basically went as a Peaky Blinder, so. It was, uh, it was fun, man. But I got another wedding. Jim Not Dredge is getting married on uh, Thursday night, so I'm looking forward to that. I think I'm going to recycle the costume. <laughs> you sure it's the same Bohemian wedding, or you just well, decided probably, to stand out? 
it's Halloween night, so like I feel like anything goes, right? That's kind of fair. You don't put a wedding on Halloween without expecting it. Yeah, I mean, technically the dress code isn't isn't Bohemian Smart Casual or costume party, but fucking Halloween, right? So yeah, as I mentioned, Zach is a polymath. I feel like our listeners all probably know Zach, or at least know who Zach is, because we've talked about you in reference to uh, prison, like Red Stompy, so often as one of the uh, progenitors of that deck. But uh, I I do think that, like I said before, you're you're kind of like a uh, a little bit of everything. You, yes. have, you have a really good knowledge of uh, of the decks, not just in Legacy, but in a lot of formats, really. But uh, I feel like Zach is one of the most knowledgeable people I talk to about Legacy. And uh, I don't know, is there anything uh, anything I missed here? No, I I try to keep abreast of the situation and you know keep up with things. Uh, I do only really cast Blood Moons, but I swear I can do more if I try. <laughs> what are you even doing lately? I know you you qualified for a PT recently, right? Uh, I qualified for two. I'm not qualified for the next one. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I uh, missed out on a couple opportunities there. But uh, hey, that's how it goes. We'll uh, try again this season. Are you playing Standard or Pioneer or what? Uh, I'm playing Standard right now, though I'm not exactly happy with it like everyone else. We're uh, waiting for our Elk Overlord to disappear. Yeah, so I hear it's pretty much a scourge, right? Yeah, uh, Oak-Oktoberfest is not uh, where we want to be. <laughs> it seems like, uh, I looked at some of the data today, and it seems like uh, just pretty much a fucked format. There were, I believe, 59 people in the Standard Classic in Atlanta. And actually, the the grant, the uh, sorry, the SCG in Atlanta was modern and only had 440 in it. And uh, the, the Grand Prix in Phoenix was limited only like 550. So that's that's really pretty low numbers this weekend. I don't know if something else was going on or what. Yeah, I don't know. But the Pioneer Challenge online, dude, I tried to play in that. Like, I was actually pretty hyped for it. And I couldn't get cards. I tried for four hours to get cards from Man Traders, and it just would not work. So. Yeah, card availability is kind of borked right now because everyone's just looking for the same sets of cards. Yeah, well, while you're on, I actually want to talk to you about this because when I sold out of Modo and bought into Man Traders, you were the the main person that I actually considered what you said. You were you were advising not to sell out at that point in time. That and makes sense. And I think that for maybe six to eight months, I was glad that I sold out, and now it's like rebounded pretty heavy. Yeah, so, a new yeah. format will do it. Yeah, the, yeah, for sure. And I feel like Man Traders and maybe any rental service or any bot at all might have gotten kind of caught with their pants down on this because a lot of the most expensive cards online, A, have been printed in the past six months, and B, are needed for all formats, like cards like Oko and Ren and Brazen Borrower and Fable Passage and Quest yeah, Teferi. Beast. Yeah, Teferi, yeah, exactly, especially... Yeah, it's caused They're a lot like, of haves and have-nots in terms of, like, the economy, where yeah. everything's either, like, sub, you know, a dollar or above 40. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, uh, I think I'm going to try out, I'm not really sure, I might try out card hoarder rental service this week, or I might just go the route of just buying back my collection. I have a little windfall of, like, I don't know, 150 tickets right now, and I you might You get one and a half Okos. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I might try to come in on like a budget, man, and like and like try to win some legacy leagues with like some actual budgetary restrictions instead of just playing whatever the fuck deck I want, you know? I think that might actually make it more interesting. Um I'm not above handicapping myself, but uh I'm I'm certainly not in that boat. I like to play heads up, but I can see why someone would enjoy doing that and trying to figure out like the hidden gems and stuff. Yeah, I'm No, definitely not. <laughs> I'm really in on, on the idea of Rip Helm right now. I just think that Rip is is very strong for what we're seeing, like like the decks that have been doing well for the past two months, really. Uh, I, I just would like to have main deck Rips. I feel like Rip Helm is a good win condition in, in like a blue-white control shell with uh, Karns in the main. I've sketched out a ton of lists for this. I've played only... I haven't played any tournaments or anything, only practice games with people, but... Uh, I think I'm going to buy into that, actually, instead of renting. That makes some sense. Like, uh, I was on... I, I 
do think Rip is very good right now in the uh, current Legacy, you know, metagame. I was actually, that's why Caleb had that particular win condition, because we were discussing that Tuesday before the event, and was like, hey, look, you're the deck that gets the main deck these, you probably should. Yeah, that's a great call. That That's a, a strong reason to play Enchantress. Yeah, he lost in the last round playing in for top eight, so. Oh, man. And that's a deck that, Caleb didn't just pick that up, he's been playing that for a while, like, he, not lands is his baby, right? But he's been um, playing Enchantress even, quite a bit. Yeah, I think Enchantress might be his baby. Like lands is his deck that you know can win games, <laughs> but Enchantress that that's what that man likes to do. Yeah, true. He, yeah, he is very happy playing Enchantress. Yeah, drawing a lot of cards, doing a lot of nothing. That's basically his game. So, what do you guys, Tom? Do you want to walk through your tournament, or or do we want to do the meta game first? Uh, yeah, I can walk through my tournament. It's quick. I, um, <laughs> I only played six rounds. I won a very close match against Ant in round one. Uh, so my day started off well. Then I played against Blue Green Show and Tell. Um, Adam Bren- Adam, who top aided. I think his last name was Brennan. I believe it was I could Brennan. Be wrong. Okay, so I played Adam. Uh, he was playing Blue Green Show and Tell. I got game one. He got games two and three. Uh, in game three, I was on the play, but he had a turn two, uh, cantrip, pedal, pedal, show and tell for Grizzlebrand. And he dumped everything but two cards in his hand. And I was actually able to kill the Grizzlebrand, but his last two cards were force plus blue cards. So I just, I ended up dying. Um, my round three, I played against Enchantress for the first time. That was the round where my opponent was like, I didn't I didn't believe that that was your burn deck that you were shuffling. So I, I mulliganed the hand to something that was better against blue. Round four, I played the next Enchantress matchup uh, and got dumpstered on camera. Then I won against Maverick and lost against William Godsey playing Miracles, where I won game one. And in game two, I had him at 10 life with triple firecraft in my hand and he was able to swords to plow swords to plowshares his mentor to stay at one or two life while i drew a couple of lands in a row and uh and lost out there so he he ended up making top 16 so my matches were tight uh i think i made good decisions when i was playing but obviously it was just i as soon as i started to play my round one I realized what a mistake I made even registering the deck that I did. And I played against almost nothing that I expected. Um, I didn't play against Elver at all. I didn't play against fair blue decks with uh, with dual land mana bases that my four prices to progress were like almost dead the whole day. And um, they, were, they were fairly good in the Maverick matchup that I played, but dead during almost every other match and I deserved what happened to me. So that, that was my tournament. I still had fun. I got to hang out with people. I got to see Pat and Jerry. We didn't really have a big role in the food drive this time because you weren't there, but, uh, they did a great job running everything. So I'm still happy. I went. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was the best one so far. Oh, sick. That's awesome, man. So, yeah. So that it sounds like so for the past like forty episodes or so you've kind of been romanticizing burn on and off like sometimes you know feeling it's well positioned and saying you're not above playing it so after playing it do you feel like you, maybe you are above playing it now? Well, based off of how things went, like I could things very well could have broken a different way to where I went five and two with it and that would have been okay for me and I would have been like all right it's a fine choice. If it came down to me not being able to play in an event versus just being able to play burn, I would 100% sleeve up burn and go to the event. Yeah. So let's say let's say it was a budgetary restriction for me, right? Uh, I, I would feel completely comfortable with bringing that deck. I can still have a good time playing Legacy. But if, if my goal is to have the most fun I could have had, I should have played something else. Yeah, that makes sense, you know. You you showed up and went, look, this is the deck I have, I'm going to play it, and, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. Yep. 
So, well, yeah, what are your comments on that, Ian? Other than I'm dumb and uh, you should have you should have made me not play that deck. No, I mean, honestly, I don't think it was the worst choice. And I think that we probably would have built it pretty differently because I I don't think I would be in on four prices right now. But did you play any Searing Effects in the main? No, none. Uh, so you were on four Firecraft main? Yes. Okay. I like I Which like were... the four Firecraft part. Yeah, that, that was very good for me. And I I really, I only out of the five decks I played, I played one that Searing Effects were good against, and that was Maverick. Right, okay. And that was it. So That makes sense. It yep. kind of was a, not a creature, super creature-heavy metagame, so only playing against one. I think you're still a little on the light side, but not by a ton. Yep. One deck that, or sorry, one card that I really have been more impressed with than I thought I would be playing with it, and I know, Tom, that you hate this card, but I'm curious if it starts to show up and burn as like a one-of or a sideboard card, is uh, Robber of the Rich. Uh... I mean, I, I don't, I don't really like that card. Yeah. But, it, I mean, we'll see. <laughs> I, I, I have not seen it show up in a bunch of lists. I think it, it happened in a few leagues, right? Oh, did it? That would be sweet oh, if it or, did. I hadn't seen it yet. Well, so. Oh, okay. Possible, I thought you said though. that you saw it show up. No, no, lists. no. I was saying that I, I, I'm kind of waiting, hoping it does show up because it oh, impressed okay. me more than I thought it would. Just playing with it. Not in burn, but in other decks. So, okay. So Zach, I don't think it's going to, but good luck to you. Yeah, Zach, as a as commentator for this event. Well, first of all, how how did you become commentator for this event? Did uh, it, tell us about how they came to you on uh, on bended knee begging for your presence. Uh, technically, that did happen this time, uh, <laughs> but the first time it was basically they had been running these by themselves and setting everything up and trying to go like run not you guys helped with like the food drive and stuff but they were trying to do like a bunch of the tournament stuff and stuff like that and i was like look i can talk forever and if anyone listened to the first lal well actually you can't listen to the first lal due to some problems but the uh, second lal recording by the end they're basically punch drunk right, and yes, they yeah. just can't take you know it's not not everyone can do that and just sit there and talk for nine hours uh, I, however, am one of the people that can do that. So I was like, hey, yo, I can help out with this stuff. And they're like, sure, why not? Uh, so it just it gives them spells out of the um, co- out of the commentary room, lets them go do some other stuff. Uh, this time around, I was in there a bit more just because Jerry was really feeling a little under the weather. He was very tired. He didn't sleep well the night before. So, yeah, that was basically it this time because it worked out the first time I did it. And they're like, hey, you want to come back and help again? So the... We don't go crazy in the commentary room. Awesome. Does it bother you at all not getting to play, or is that just like is this uh, something that you like to do? So you're you're happy with it. Yeah, it's more that. Uh, of course, I'd love to play. If they were like, nope, we don't need you, I would have been there playing. Uh, wasn't anything like that, but I, I really do like doing commentary. Uh, it's fun to talk about like the lines of play and how other people see things, and trying to bring some knowledge to people who are just watching at home if they aren't, you know, super familiar with Legacy. Or people at home who are super familiar with Legacy and are yelling at me because I'm not doing a good enough job. Either way. I don't feel like that that happened very much. I mean, I watched in 2x speed today. Sure. Uh, just to just to catch up with what happened. Because God, I, I must have been high-pitched. <laughs> yeah, no, actually not as bad as, as you might think. But uh, it was, uh, I think you did a very good job, obviously. Uh, and yeah, filling the air. I mean, cause you know, you skip when, when you're between matches, sure. but basically there was never a time when the matches were live and there wasn't sound. So it was actually really good for, for listening at work, for knowing when you guys were on or not. Yeah. Dead and, air is kind of a, you know, a problem. You don't yeah. do that. And I don't think I could do that. So I much respect cause yeah, that, that's definitely a skill, man, to do that. Like play by play sort of commentary analysis. I don't think that's something that everybody can do. And you certainly see when they bring in people, especially like a lot of times they're bringing good players. And the, you know, you notice that there's not really a correlation sometimes between being... It's sort of like how they say like Michael Jordan couldn't coach basketball because he's too good at it. You know what sure. I mean? Like 
but you know some player who had to work really hard at it might might you know be a very good coach like uh steve kerr or something right i don't know but just like uh the the skill sets aren't exactly the same. They don't necessarily translate. And you see sometimes a really good players are brought into the booth and they're just useless commentators, you know? Right. Uh, what I found a lot from, like, just doing as little commentary as I have, and you are right, like, some players come in and you'd expect them to be great and they just aren't. I It's not a universal thing, but I found people who watch sports tend to know how to commentate because ah. they're so used to hearing it. Like, oh, that's interesting, man. That makes a lot of sense. I, I would actually believe that, yeah. Right, and it may be different down the line now that like esports are a thing and they're kind of branching out to different people to understand how commentary works. But realistically, since I've been like five, I've been listening to baseball games and football games and hell, even pro wrestling. Like, You can't have dead air. You need to talk about what's in front of you. If you're not excited, they're not excited. Stuff like that. But it's stuff that you natively grasp by watching sports because, you know, People hate Joe Buck because he talks like this and he's monotone and the whole thing. And you can't do that. And he right. did because, you know, his dad, and he's made a career out of it. I get it. But that's what people don't tend to like. Dude, I think you just hit that hit that right on the head. I never thought about that. But I love listening to Patrick and Cedric, and they're huge sports fans. So Right. They is- don't speak like, you know, nerds playing a card game, even though they are and we are. They speak like people who have listened to basketball forever and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that makes a ton of sense, and I think you're probably right about that. Yeah, it gives you a good baseline to work off of. But again, if you put a Magic game in front of me, I'm going to be able to talk about it because I like playing Magic. Same thing with you guys. Like, I think you'd be a lot better at it than you're giving yourself credit for, because on any given board state, there's definitely things to talk about. And if there aren't, well, what's the next card on top of the deck? What would you like it to be? It's not too hard to go into your defaults to move the conversation along, even if the game is stalled. Yeah, it's something I would definitely like to try someday, I guess, but I, I don't have high hopes for myself, honestly. I think that, uh, I think what you, what you did is really, uh, really, you know, pretty special, man, that, that you were able to hop in there and, uh, provide great commentary so yeah well thank you for that i've got that from a lot of people so hopefully i did something good this weekend awesome so what did you guys think about the the metagame there i i know that uh that pat compiled a list with little check marks for for what decks showed up yeah it's not like uh, organized or anything but he was just doing it while watching the football game i was talking to him about it he was just flipping through the list and putting check marks down nice well i know that uh, spoiler alert, the finals were two depth decks. Yes, two different depth decks. They were yeah. both green-black, but they took very different approaches to things. Yeah, exactly. And the rest of the top eight, I believe, was uh, two rug Delver decks, uh, the the blue-green Eureka Tell deck, Elves, and uh, Tess, and uh, two Tess decks, I believe. I think it was a Tess, and if I remember right, it may have been Blue-White Delver? It may have been another... I I don't think there were two Tess decks. Okay. I think it was just the one. Well, we got seven of eight. Yeah, I think... And I, I know in ninth place, uh, James, you know the... I'm pretty sure that he, he's from Australia. He might just have that accent. Uh, I think... Uh, yeah. You, you do know who I'm talking about, Yes, Ian? yes. Oh, Ian. I, I think Ian does. James Ogier? Yeah. Yes. Uh, he was playing like a like a Snow Walkers deck. Sweet. One of the ones that Anurag streamed. Yeah. So it was like four color Planeswalkers. Sweet. So yeah, what what did you guys think of the metagame, though? Uh, I want uh, to I, go on, oh, Tom. Oh, no, you, you go. You, you know what you're talking about. I'm just, I'm hanging onto your coattails as we go through this. Oh, no. Because I decided to play Burn. Uh, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, I just walked around earlier in the day and kind of went around. It seemed pretty diverse, all things considered. It, obviously, paper events tend to be more diverse than online events, uh, just because people kind of play what they have or play their pet deck, where as like online events, people are more aiming to be, you know, the best. But I think when all was said and done, there was only like seven copies of Rug Delver out of a uh, hundred people, and, you know, Basically, every single person in a 100-person event is 1%, so that's 7% rugged over, which is less than real, you know, the aggregate of real life. 
So definitely let room for a lot of like cool decks to walk around. I saw someone playing ninjas and but generically it was kind of an almost equal representation of what you'd expect. Like there was some blue white control, there was some reanimator, there were a couple of uh, red stompy decks. Uh frankly, I think this is the field that you should expect at every paper event where it's not super top heavy in any one direction, but it does tend to lean a little bit more on like kind of the weirdness down at the bottom. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Looking at this list, like you mentioned, 7% Rub Delver, then there's 5% Blue Red Delver, and then one Grixis Delver deck. So we're talking about less than less than one-sixth of the field on Delver. What, about one-seventh of the field on Delver. Yeah. So that that's pretty low relative to like what you'd expect at a Star City or online or something like that. And then we've got 5% on Ant and uh, 4% on Sneak and Show. And there's a ton. I mean, there's got to be 35 names on this deck list, like one person playing most, you know? One person playing Yuri Cattell. There's a ton, one person playing Jeskai Ascendancy Combo. There's yep. a ton of, of one-ofs and two-ofs and three-ofs on this list, so it really looks like quite quite a diverse metagame. Yeah, and it was fun, because people were going around, and you hear like the people talking back and forth, and they were like, oh, what do you play against? And you'd hear something, and you'd hear something that made no sense. Again, we got the uh, Ascendancy combo on, it won on camera, doing the Ascendancy thing, as well as one of the games was very much like dominated by um, Psy and Ascendancy, just pumping out Thopter tokens over and over again to jam up the skies against Blue-Red Delver. Oh, and, you know... That's not something you see every day, so it's cool to be able to, like, this is what Legacy's capable of. It's not always the same matchup, and even when it's the same matchup, they ended up being pretty good overall. Yeah, and it looks like, just based on the decks that I'm seeing here, it looks like it wasn't like a Ren Scourge or a, an Oko Scourge or something like that. It doesn't look like there was any anything problematic, right, about, about these results. No, uh, you know, again, if I could lock in this, these are the percentages from for Legacy for the rest of time, I think everyone would. Like, this is the epitome of healthy in this particular room. Nothing dominated the other. Basically all of the various macro archetypes are represented in some way. Yeah. Yeah, that's so a great point. It, it, it was a good event in that regard. Yeah, that's awesome. That, that's a great point. So what, what was the costume metagame like? <laughs> uh, I think there were like I want to say eight between eight and ten something like that. Uh, had a couple various wizards. Um, had a really good Gandalf. Had um, a Grim Lava Mancer. Ended up winning it. And then there was of course the two Jerry costumes that each went uh, home with a scrubland. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Do you know? Do you have any idea who that was? Can we shout him out or? Well. Uh, I know DJ. Yeah, I know DJ was, was one. one was one of the Jerry's, and he had the inside track. He got to play Jerry's deck. Ooh. So, so yeah, absolutely inside of trading with that one there. Black and border, recall, black border also, volcanics, and all. Oh yeah, it was literally Jerry's deck. Nice. And if I recall, he also took Jerry's zero and three record. <laughs> oh, uh, he did. Yeah, he did. he didn't have a great day, you know, playing cards, but he had a great day being there. Awesome. There was a there was a great moment with uh, Doctor Richey in the players meeting taking a look at Jerry's actual deck because all of his cards are so tented that Rich yes. was trying to pull out the actual dual lands and everything was so bent he couldn't do it. Wow! Oh no! Yep, that's yep. scary actually. No, it's obfuscation. Every, if everything's destroyed, then nothing's destroyed. Yeah, but those are like seven hundred dollar cards, man. That's too bad. Yeah, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, that's awesome, man. I, yeah. uh, I'm really sad I couldn't be there, but, you know. Yeah, it was a great matchup. Great matchup in the finals, too. Uh, a lot of people were saying, you know, it's Turbo Depths for Turbo Depths. They're going to just bash into each other with 2020s, but that's not actually how that matchup plays out if anyone has ever played it. It's a lot scarier, uh, you know, where any mistake kills the other person. Yeah, it's dangerous. It's dangerous when playing one of your combo pieces can make you lose the game. 
Right, and beyond that, you only have access to so many things. Like, you only have one Sejiri step in that. And if you blow it early, that means that you can't force your 2020 through theirs. So then you need to find your Caracas, and what happens if the Caracas is needled? And so it, it's a lot of uh, back and forth in that matchup. A lot more than you'd expect out of, like, two black-green combo decks. So I hate to admit this, but I, you know, I was watching the stream, or listening to the stream, really, at work. Just to see, you know, which decks made top eight and which decks won, etc. And when I got to the finals, I knew Curtis had won, so I didn't actually watch the finals match. Do you feel like Curtis had the edge in that match? Because I didn't actually see it. I don't know what happened other than that Curtis won. Do you think that Curtis's deck had the edge or do you think Freya's did? Uh, personally, I said Freya's did. Uh, Curtis actually just talked to him, uh, kind of agreed, in that uh, he thought that game one, Freya definitely had the advantage, and that it got less in games two and three and probably pulled a lot closer to equal, maybe with Curtis a little bit ahead. Um, but yeah, it was probably pretty close. I liked the plan of uh, Freya's deck using Once Upon a Time. I think she got it from uh, Bob Wong, if I remember right, using like Once Upon a Time to have a completely transformational sideboard into almost Jund with a combo rather than a combo deck. Oh, is that like Tarmogoyfs? There's four Tarmogoyfs, two oh, Liliana wow. of the Veils. Um, and oh, then interesting. On top of that, it's like got the main deck copies of um, Hex Mage and uh, what's oh. the three force name? Elvish Reclaimer. Elvish Reclaimer. So you almost board into like this Jundi uh, threat based deck that is going to force your opponent to tap out to answer your threats, and then you kind of kill them when they tap out with your combo stuff. Uh, but Curtis was like the epitome of turbo, um, running four Lotus Petals, four Elvish Spirit Guides, and four main deck. Um, uh, not, not of this, this world. world. Yeah. yeah. So it was two very different takes on like the same archetype. Yeah, that's sicko mode right there. Yeah, and it was a great finals. You should go back and watch that just because there was a lot of back and forth and a lot of moments where if someone slipped up, they were dead. And they both did a great job of going through and not falling into many of those traps. I would absolutely have faith in those two to do that. They both know their way around uh, Dark Depths. Right. So yeah, I'll definitely go back and watch that now that uh, now that you sold it. So yeah, that was. Uh, I I feel like Curtis deserved to have one of these trophies because he's he's sort of been a uh, been a mainstay in these tournaments and these top eights and such and and I think he's uh, maybe had a little bit of a little bit of like tough sledding in in a few of these recently, but. Uh, definitely deserves in our scene to have one of these. No, that makes sense. He began the day by coming up to me going, are you in my bracket? And I was like, no, I'm doing commentary. He's like, thank God. <laughs> he's had tough sledding because I think he's run into me twice. Yeah. And that's not a good day for him. No, not at all. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the LAL. Do you guys have anything else you wanted to add? Uh, no, it was just a lot of fun from my end. A uh, little bit less fun from Tom's end from what I can gather. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was. I mean, it was still great to see everybody and actually get to shuffle up and play cards. But I wasn't prepared for the event, and I, I did not. I was not surprised by my performance and how things went. I really so. wish you would have told me that you weren't prepared. I had my deck on me. I could have just given you that and said, "Look, go play this." I now I didn't. I didn't want to stoop to the level of, hey, does anybody have a deck that I can borrow? Now I don't now that's not stooping, but like I I should have and I didn't. Bro, Bernie Sanders would not be happy with you right now. So uh, I bought I bought a I bought a math hat to wear to the event and then I chickened out wearing it. <laughs> but I have my I have my Yang twenty twenty hat that says math on it now. Oh it's an official hat? It's an official Yang twenty twenty hat. Nice dude. I kind of thought you might get the knockoff because you, you said something online a while back about, I don't actually support him. I just want to win $10,000 a month or something. No, I retweeted. Right. I, re I, re I retweeted that, yes. Yeah. But he uh, he is on my list of Democratic candidates I would I would like to see get the nomination, but he's not going to. Okay, so you're, so you're more, uh, more in favor then. Yeah, yeah, more in favor than not. I took your comment at that point to mean that you were uh, you were out on it. So, 
yeah, I think he's third on the list for me. But uh, let's let's leave politics out of this one. I'm sure we'd get in a uh, little bit of a fight on that. <laughs> we have we have not had nearly enough booze for that. But Yang's first on my list, so I don't know. Okay, I'm... he's number three on mine too. It's Sanders, <laughs> Warren, Yang. So we've got a legacy challenge this week, uh, as with most weeks. So I'm not sure how many players there were in this legacy challenge. Uh, Twelve points. There were seven rounds, and 12 points went to, I believe, 19th through 32nd. So it sounds so, like a little bit of a smaller one. Yeah, probably like in the 80s or something but along those lines. This makes a lot of sense because, like you mentioned, the Pioneer Open or Pioneer Challenge was like the first thing earlier that morning. Yeah. So people probably had card availability issues or were just playing in that. Exactly. You know, new shiny toys. There were a ton, when I was trying to get into the Pioneer Challenge, there were a ton of people we know as legacy players in there. Yeah, don't quote me on that, but I think I saw that it was like 270, 275 players, something like that. Yeah, well, there were six, eight, and ones at the end of, of nine rounds. So yeah. that, that means there were at least 260, and I, I believe there were even more than that. So Yeah, so was, people uh, definitely came out for, to support the new format and to take their shot at being the first person to put up a result dude the deck dump was 137 lists so yeah. you, you scrape out the duplicates from that every 5-0 requires uh 31 other league entries right just just basic math right yeah so so tom you have your math hat on oh uh, i don't but i can put it on you're a math teacher bro you always have your math hat on so uh. so if you do 137 at an absolute minimum, assuming there's no duplicated lists that get left off, which we know that there were, uh, times 32 entries to get a 5-0, you're talking about like over, well over 2,000 uh, entries into, into the league, right? And right, it's, and it started on Wednesday. And exactly. It was only half a week. So it's, it's actually 4,000. 4,000 entries into the league. People are just fucking crazy for Pioneer, right? Well, it's something new. And, you know, Standard's not great right now. Modern is starting to succumb to the same problems that Modern always comes to before, you know, the next set of bannings happen. And this was just, like, a bright, shining light to be like, hey, try this. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, we, we, don't, want to, uh, we don't want to put anybody on tilt talking about Pioneer again. Uh, real quick, Zach, what would you play in Pioneer? Uh, if you go gun to head tomorrow, probably like Jeskai Ascendancy combo. Okay. All right, we got that out of the way. So the Legacy Challenge was won by God of Slaughter with Rug Delver. This was a pretty typical Rug Delver list that, like what we've been seeing, no stifles. Actually, there were two Thought Scours in the main, and no stifles, and the Okos were in the sideboard. So an interesting metagame call. And they they really ran the gauntlet here, beating out JPA and Cyrus in the in the finals and semifinals respectively. So clearly, uh, God of Slaughter knows how to play rug. And uh, yeah, as I mentioned, JPA in second with Sneak and Shell, Yone with uh, Rug with one Oko in third, Cyrus in fourth with Ant, and then we've got Tess, Ant, Snow Control, and a Naya Maverick deck rounding out the top eight. Yeah, well, it, a lot of this makes a lot of sense. Like you said, God of Slaughter needed to run through like a gauntlet, but it looks like for the first time in a long time, because all of these rug decks were kind of starting to inbreed into each other and just trying to beat the mirror. Yeah. But I'm looking here, and yeah, there's these three Thought Scours, but there's also two Spell Snares and two main deck Force of Negations, not just like the one and maybe one in the sideboard or just the yeah. one in the sideboard. It looks like this is very trimmed down to just be threats, answers mana and like then the the obvious like ponders brainstorm smoothing it just made sure like a, a list like this is the type of list i can see beating um ant and yes, beating like sneak and show because you see two oofs in the sideboard as well as like the okos which do some things you know surgical this seems a lot more respectful rather than just being like all about winning the mirror yes that's fair i like that and three Hooting Mandrills that I mentioned, three Thought Scours in the main, so really loading up on the graveyard plan for, for like the rug mirror. So you're not you're not really all in on playing a rug mirror with this deck, but you're also not all out either. 
Like you right, can, no, you can function in a low mana environment. Yeah, there's definitely a, a lot of good innovations in things like the Thought Scours to power out the Hooting Mandrels and going down on true names as they become harder and harder to cast and so on and so forth. Yeah. And JPA, this is the... Uh, the Simeon Spirit Guide. So there's two Simeon Spirit Guides and four dazes in this list. So the full four dazes. I'm, I'm not sure if that's... Uh, I think that we'd seen like two or three in this deck before. Four seems like quite I a know, few, but... I'm pretty sure I've seen him run four before, but okay. I know a lot of it is just based on a week-to-week, how does he feel? Yeah. Uh, and yes, I've also seen two and three dazes. So smart move on his end, because now... Anytime anyone faces him, they need to play around days forever. Yeah, exactly. And they're going to have yeah. to play around days when he doesn't even have it in his deck. And the other thing is, we've been seeing like a real dearth of Grizzlebrand decks. Like, I, I believe in a couple of the last big tournaments, it wasn't even in the top 32. There was like either one or zero Grizzlebrands that we'd seen. So, obviously, you know, this, this kind of seems like drastic measures, but maybe it's what this deck needs right now. Right, the dazes and stuff can help fight against um, like the additional force of negations and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned DJ had a rough time with Sneak and Show. Obviously, someone made the finals or the uh, top eight of the LAL with Eureka Tell, so maybe it's not totally dead. But Oh yeah, no, this is still a reasonable archetype by every, you know, quantification, but it's, you know, not at its highest right now. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, is there are there any other decks in the top eight that you guys wanted to discuss? Not for me. Um, I think the only one that's like a little interesting. It's more like card inclusions than anything else. Things like Brazen Borrower and Ogo finding their way in. But as for individual deck lists, everything seems pretty normalish. Yeah, the eighth place Portad. Yeah. That's the first. Uh, I've seen a lot of Wishclaw and Tess so far, but this is two Wishclaws and Ant, and maybe somebody's been playing it, but this is the first time I've really seen a list do well with it. So I just want to take a look at that really quick. We're on one past in Flames, and 15 lands, and I'm trying to figure out what the other cut was. Um, hmm, let me look. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the actual extra cut is. I'm not sure either, but this is a two wishclaw ant, and it's pretty cool. I, I'm I'm really curious whether wishclaw finds its way into like the stock builds of this deck, and how long that might take now with you know the the number of people banging on legacy and the number of big events that we have. Like, what would it even look like for wishclaw to find its way into a stock list at this point? Like, how well. Oh, so I was about to say one of the cuts is a lot of the time these ant decks are playing two past in flames. Yeah, so that's the first cut. Yeah, that's the and... one we figured out. Oh, okay. I wasn't paying Do attention. Do they normally play 16 lands, or has it always been 15 in this? I think it's always been 15. Huh. Yeah, it's true. Um... Because everything else is fours, right? Yeah, I would have expected to maybe see like less one less Thoughtseize. But oh, it there, might be like four the... There. It might be like the, the Dark Petition flex spot. Oh, yeah, there's no Dark Petition in this, which makes sense because Wishclaw Talisman does kind of the same thing. Yeah, that's got to be what it is. So, yeah, that, that sort of flex spot that could be... used to be like a Grim Tutor, then a Dark Petition. Right, this seems like kind of your better Grim Tutor. Yes, yep. It costs like the same mana if you need it to be exactly that. Well, it also costs like less black, which is kind right. of useful. True. That's it, it's very small, but in these type of decks, like I've played a little bit of Storm. Sometimes, like I know black is the one you're normally full of, but still, sometimes you're like, oh crap, I don't have double black. I can only spare one here because I need to cast the tendrils. Gotcha. So. Yeah, it makes sense. So, yeah, what do you what do you guys think it would look? What it would take though for like this to be adopted as as the new build? Would it be like Maybe like Cyrus adopting it, would that be what it would take? Uh, I think generically if Cyrus adopted it, it would be kind of stock in a moment. But I think that I wouldn't be surprised to see more of this coming up. It seems pretty low cost. Um, it, it Yeah, it is new. And there's obviously some issues with this card versus some of the other tutors. But 
I don't. I, I think this is actually a pretty smart move for this deck. Um, I maybe not. Maybe if I were Cyrus, I wouldn't do this at like EW or something like that next week because there's just not enough time. Right. But I could see this being the wave of the future for this, especially because you can play it in preparation. Yes, exactly. Like on the turn you go off, if you're in these long games, you can play this beforehand, and you know it only costs two. So it's not unreasonable for you to play it pass, and then at some point later use it on your combo turn for only one. Exactly. Yep. I, I like it for all those reasons, but I'm not the person who's going to hone down this list, so I, I'm sort of just watching as a spectator. Yeah, I'm not going out of my way to, you know, make Storm. That's not my jam. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's interesting. It's kind of sad in a way, too, but m- more just I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by, like, what are considered you know, to be stock lists at this point and, and how do they adapt? Because like we see now in the top 16 of this event, two death and taxes decks in ninth and 11th, neither of them have a charming prince and neither of them have a deafening side, the deafening silence in the sideboard, which are two innovations that we've seen come up recently. Uh, one of them's on mother of runes, the other's just on giver of runes. So it's like, how divergent are these main decks going to get now in, in an era where, we're seeing less coverage, right? Uh, I don't think it's necessarily because of less coverage, because Legacy didn't have a ton of coverage to begin with. I think what we're seeing is we're seeing cards that are coming in at a rapid pace that is co- like something like Giver of Runes. If Death and Taxes got Giver of Runes any other year, they would spend a whole year figuring out if it's better than Mother right. of Runes and sure, what to do sure. and how to... But right here... We don't have that time, and people are trying to figure out what to do. Like these Tomics. These Tomics sat around and didn't see play for months, and then someone was like, oh, these are great against Depths, and Depths is coming up. So let's put these in here. And they just became, you know, air quotes, stock. So I think we're going to see more divergent lists, but more because the options are more. You know, some decks were playing straight-up bad cards that just kind of fit what the deck needed, and now maybe you don't need that anymore, so we have more options. I'm I'm very familiar with that myself. There was a, you know, I played Werewolf Stompy because that's what I had. And if you look at the options I have now, I could play ten different types of my, my deck yes, versus yes. at that point where it was just kind of like, well, this is the best thing, I'm doing this. So I think well, other decks which... are seeing that. Speaking of which, what do you think about Angie's Prowler or, or something along those lines? Oh, the 3-3? Three, three? It's uh, from Commander. Yeah, I think that card could be reasonable. Uh, personally, okay. I've been moving to a little bit more of a controly role. I've been trying out a lot of Bone Crusher Giants lately, seeing nice. how those are. But uh, yeah, in, in general, I think, again, a lot of those options. There was the person doing like the Blood Moon... Um, sorry, the Blood Sun Eldrazi deck with those uh, I, yeah. I've seen I've seen like the like all Chandra's builds yes uh, yeah. in, if anybody knows Barra Barra was playing his red white prison deck with a bunch of the three drop goblin token generators and ember cleave so he had stoneforge mystic ember cleave blood moon um, goblin rabble master and the other one and uh, I saw him kill somebody on turn three yeah, I. It, 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 it's like you said, the that type of card. I do not think that card is good enough. That said, I fully am away. I'm fully ready to be wrong and have someone else beat me with it. This isn't something where I'm like, oh my god, look at this, it's garbage. These cards are not garbage. These cards are powerful, and it's leading to these options like this red white prison deck killed someone on turn three. That sentence doesn't even make sense. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty wild. That's kind of the world we live in where we have a lot of options and I think that's great for deck builders in Legacy right now. Cuz you yeah. just get you get to make your choices and you get to make your deck feel more like you want it to feel. I think Depths is is a, another perfect example of that right now. We just talked about the the finals and the leaving the Legacy and then there were I believe in the deck dump this week four Depths decks none of which were playing once upon a time. So like that's a huge fork like whether you want to play that card or not. And then there's all the, the forks we've been talking about recently, like Elvish Reclaimer or not. So, you know, then there's the typical slow depths versus, versus uh, turbo depths versus medium depths and then bug depths. So you can build the deck basically a hundred different ways at this point, right? 
Yeah, you can build the deck that you want. I've always said, like, obviously super powerful cards are going to lead to people to build around them, but when you get lots of different, like, riffs on the mid-range-ish cards, like the cards that are, like, your 6s and 7s, not your 10s, I think that's where, like, deck building's really important. Like, if you're playing, like, this, uh... I'm just still looking at the same list. Let's say you're playing Death and Taxes. This Death and Taxes list that came in, what was it, 11th? Yep. Uh, and I give you the ability to play any number of Stoneforge Mystics. How many do you play? I think that I would be on three anyway. Sure, and that's what I'm saying. These person's on four. Right. But what card, how many Thalias would you play? Four. Four? Or, oh, no, I'm sorry. If you could play more? Yeah, if, where, where's your number? I think six probably would be my number. Sure, and that number's going to be different for everyone. And that's right. something that I've run into with, like, Legion uh, Warboss. How right. many Rabble Masters do I really want? Yeah. Is it four? Is it five? Is it eight? I haven't had these options before. No one has. So as more cards get released that have like a similar power level and do slightly different things, people's decks are going to become more like varied and customizable. And I think you're going to see a little bit less in regards of like quote unquote stock decks. Yeah, it's pretty wild like seeing this happen, you know. Right, we're just seeing it in real time, and it looks really weird because Legacy doesn't or Legacy didn't move fast. But now we're kind of moving faster, and yes, it was because of some really powerful sets, but even regardless of that, we're starting to see people try more. Uh, You know, I used to talk about cards and people would be like, what is this? But now I'm seeing different, like, Berra playing an Embercleave and stuff like that, where people are being like, hey, this is good enough in another format, maybe I should try it here. Where I don't think that was necessarily how people thought about Legacy two years ago. Yeah, I remember you saying to me one of the advantages, this is like three years ago, you were saying to me one of the advantages of playing your deck was that Wizards was still printing legacy quality threats for your deck in every new set. Like you you were talking about maybe Glorybringer or Hazaret or Thunder, I don't know, Thundermaw Hellkite or whatever the fuck at that point in time was the new card that you were playing. But you were like, every set I get a new three or four mana red, you know, pushed, extremely pushed card. And, like, what are you guys getting? And now it's like everybody's gotten something, you know? Right, and I think that's just, like, the nature of these very powerful sets. And now that things have seeped in, we're seeing everything kind of, like, swish around. Like, I'm thinking, like, if you picture a building and suddenly we've got water poured in our foundation and everything's shifting. And that's what we have right now. It's just everything slowly, like, one one ofs are disappearing and then different one ofs are coming in. And, like you said, when you were focused on, like, oh, what's the new stock list... I don't think there's going to be, you know, stock lists going forward. I, I just, I think there are too many powerful cards that you can look at a shell and be like, this is 100% the best way to build this shell. Right. Whereas, what, two years ago when it was all Grixis Delver before the ban, those decks were 73 of the same 75 cards throughout for two years. Exactly. And we're not seeing that anymore. We're seeing... Rugged Elver be Rugged Elver, no bad cards rug, Rugged Elver with Stifle, Rugged Elver with Main Deck Okos, with Sideboard Okos, with Hooting Mandrels, with uh, Hex Drinker, and no one's sure what's, who's right, which is great, because that lets people, you know, make their own decisions. Yeah, definitely. It is pretty wild, and, and I do think it's probably better in the abstract, right? Because you get to do more shit. Right, it's worse for people who pick, you know, I play, you know, personally I play one deck. It's worse for someone who's like, look, I'm going to pick my deck up every week and play the same deck and play the same deck and play literally the same 75 cards. It's worse for them because they're going to fall behind at a rate they didn't fall behind before. Uh, But it's better for people who want to be like, oh, I want to do something different. I want to keep up on things. I I felt that a lot of people who complained that, like, how Legacy's moving were people that only played Legacy because what ended up happening is Legacy started moving like other formats already moved. So it was nothing new for me. I played other formats. But Legacy started moving like other decks moved, other formats moved. And I don't find that to be a bad thing. That's interesting, man. I think you're probably right about that. Like, you know, people would always talk about like the Jun box in Modern, how there was like, you know, 75 different cards that would cycle in as like a one-of or whatever. And Right, That's and I th- kind of where we are with some of these decks. Exactly. I think Legacy's moved into more of that area where to 
you want to play a deck because you think the archetype is strong, but at the same time, you're going to need to put time in that deck to go, not only is the archetype strong, my card choices are strong. Yeah. And you get to really tweak it for what you expect to play, too, so that's that's pretty nice. Yeah, unless you don't expect to play two copies of Enchantress. <laughs> I wanted to shout out real quick Luanel in 12th place with, uh, with Depths, Bug Depths, and... Yeah, other than that, from the challenge, I think uh, that about covers it. We had uh, Adam Wallace in 19th place with two Once Upon a Time and Elves. Yep. We had uh, 18th place was, this is pretty crazy, Pterodactyl with four Once Upon a Times in Eldrazi. Yeah, I saw that, and that is a crazy person. Uh, but it makes sense. If you actually do it out, it does make sense. I think they could have probably tried to fit in a, a green source other than just the Elvish Spirit Guides, but it actually makes sense in this deck. Okay. Like it, So, I'm looking at it this way. Uh, this card is more akin to being like a Chrome Mox in this deck. Where, in turn one, you're going to look at your hand and be like, I have a bunch of mana. I don't need to find a land. I can go get whatever threat, you know, because all the Eldrazi threats are just good. You know, whatever threat they see, they take. Yeah. But in those hands where they're maybe short on, like, the second uh, Soul Land effect, they have once upon a time to make sure that they're casting their threat on turn two. Their big, you know, um, Thought Not Seer or a 4-4 Endless One or any of that stuff. Um, so I think it does make a lot of sense in this deck is because the entire deck's binary in that it's kind of threats and mana, and Once Upon a Time is going to let you choose depending on what your hand needs. Yeah, I think I would like it more if it were like the White Eldrazi list where a Thalia would do an, a reasonable impression of a Chalice when you need that. Yeah, there's cer there's certainly some like innovations you could do with this technology. This looked like it was just pushed into the deck and said, okay, here's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe you can move your sideboard in uh, that type of way. But yeah, I, I think that this could be a good move for Eldrazi moving forward because the deck hasn't been great for a little while. So I think that maybe this could help push it. Yeah, th I mean, this is the first time we've seen it really show up this high, even though it wasn't terribly high. I believe it was 5-2, and two, so that's something, man. And this deck had pretty much disappeared. So obviously, much respect for trying it out. Yeah. Anyone else on that challenge? I believe that's all, unless you guys got someone that you want to throw up there. I get no one. Did Tom die? Nope, I'm still here. Okay. I I didn't I didn't have a quick enough comeback to the, and then you play Enchantress twice. But I was listening. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so where to next? Uh, the league was pretty much. It, it wasn't a huge league uh, deck dump this time. There was two one spot times in Infect deck that Fenris Cloud was playing. There was a black-white helm deck that Goalie Raya was playing, and I actually lost to a mono-black helm deck at FNM last week. And these decks have sort of picked up, like, silently picked up a little bit of meta share, where it seems like uh, a lot of people are fucking with it now. And I don't know. I think those decks are pretty interesting. I don't actually love this black-white list that, that made the, the, uh, the deck dump this time, but it is interesting to think about. But I think uh, we're over an hour here, so if, if you guys are uh, if you guys are cool, I think we might cut it here. Yeah, it's fine by me. I've had a great time yep. with you guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I every time I get to talk to you, I learn something about magic, and yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know where this. I was about to say like it's really nice talking to you, Zach. Like I don't fucking know you already. No, no, you're like you said, <laughs> your brain's been hurting. You got some stuff going on, and then it's uh not your time for magic. I'm old. I used to see Zach every week, man. Now I, I don't really see you that much. I know. Yeah, it we feels like uh we we've had that like uh, band of brothers experience though, playing at Legal Legacy every week or excuse yeah. me, Gaming Center every week, so. Yeah, literally every week, trying to figure years, out how yeah. to beat each other's decks. <laughs> we had some epic battles, man. Yeah, I died to my fair share of Noble Hierarchs with a bridge in play. <laughs>
So yeah, if people want to want to reach you online, Zach, how, how should they go about doing that? Uh, so the easiest way is probably on Twitter. Um, it's the underscore amazing underscore Zach. It's my tribute to the amazing Jonathan, who is not dead. You know, people will laugh about that come Friday when they hear the uh, Leaving Legacy podcast. I made a <laughs> slight mistake. He was hospitalized for a long time, uh, but he he is back, better than ever. You know the whole nice. deal. Oh yeah, this is your this is your like press junket right now. This is your book tour, right? You're doing yeah, the apparent, podcast tonight. Apparently, I just fill in everywhere. <laughs> so. Yeah, Tom, if people want to send you their WAPO death notices on Twitter, how can they do that? At TSmileyMTG on Twitter. Ooh, they're and definitely going there. you can follow the cast at DeadFormatCast. Yeah, and DeadFormatCast at gmail.com. Oh, dude, you had a email from last week that you said you were going to read. Do you have that? Yeah, we forgot about it again. Oh, we forgot <laughs> about it officially? <laughs> we did. Yeah, we did. Oh, it's too bad, man. It's just lost the Hopefully time. Hopefully we can remember it next week. Yep. All right. Uh, you have you have two factor authentication on the Gmail, and I'm on a new computer. <laughs> at, That's not a joke. That's not a joke. I have to text you when I log in. At Ian eighteen one twenty five on Twitter, uh, deadformatcast at gmail We swear to God, we'll read your emails. Uh, and that's a wrap. All right, rest in peace, Sam Donald. <laughs>